Romans chapter 4 now. Um, getting to verse 23. Now, it was not written for his sake alone. And I'm, I want you to become, I mean, to begin to take interest in this last uh, three verses. Uh, first of all, verse 22 says, And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now verse 23 is now saying, Now, it was not written for his sake alone. That it was imputed to him. And I want you to begin to understand that. Okay? But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed. Hallelujah. If we believe on him, that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. And I want you to begin to put these things together. Everything God said and decided to do for Abraham, he did and Abraham got by faith without doing anything. And he said this record that the righteousness of this faith was imputed to Abraham was not written for Abraham alone. What I mean is it was not written to show that Abraham was a special model. Is that okay? It was written for us to also believe that because Abraham became righteous simply believing, we also can become righteous by simply doing what? Believing. So, what he's trying to say, it wasn't written to make him look like a special figure. But he's saying, this is the pattern I want you to walk in. This is what we also do. And I can also bring you to the place of righteousness, call you righteous people, because you can also believe exactly the way Abraham did what? Believed. That's what it means when he say it's not written for Abraham alone. Okay, let me go a little bit down to a very simple translation, which I think will make all of us understand it. I'm going to be reading from the message translation. Uh, some of you already begin to know this is my favorite. Romans chapter 4 again. And I'm going to start from verse 13. And I want to break it down from the message translation. Now here is what he says. Hallelujah. That famous promise God gave Abraham. That he and his children would possess the earth. Was not given because of something Abraham did or will do. That's what I love in that. Hallelujah. Are we together? Amen. Did you get this? Listen again. I mean, this is crucial for you to understand what we're dealing with. That famous promise God gave to Abraham. Verse 13 now, message translation, chapter 4. That Abraham and his children, which you are. Because by faith, we are Abraham's children by faith. Remember that? Are we together? Okay. That famous promise God gave to Abraham, that he and his children should possess the earth, was not given because of something Abraham did or would do. So, both past and the future, it is not what you are going to do that makes you a righteous man. Neither, basically, the things you are going to do to please God that will make you possess what God promises you. What enables you to ever possess what God will ever promise you is your belief in what he says. Nothing about what you are going to do. 
Nothing to do with maybe any form of sacrifices or whatever the case may be. No, 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 no. Simply believing, if he makes a promise, you believe whatever thing he promises you, as far as God is concerned, you are a righteous man. Now think about that. Abraham didn't do anything to get Isaac. In fact, when he struggled with the thought, Isaac didn't come. Are you still there with me? I want you to capture this because you see, this is all about Christianity. It is simply grace made available. Don't forget, the Bible tells us the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by who? Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, look at the next scene. I like this, like I said, it was not what, I mean, the promise was given to Abraham, not because of something Abraham did or would do. Now, it was based on God's decision to put everything together for him. It was based on God's decision to put everything together for who? For Abraham. Not because of what he did. God's decision to put everything together for him. Praise the Lord. Are you there? Which Abraham then entered into when he believed. Praise the Lord. Now it means God said, this is what I want to do. I want to enable Abraham to possess the whole nation, the whole world. I'm going to give the whole world for Abraham as a possession. I'm going to give him a seed, not just in Isaac. I want to make all those who ever believe to become sons of Abraham or children of Abraham. Is that okay? I am going to do this. Right now, he made a promise. The promise is there. What will Abraham do now to possess the promise? Let me give you an example of what I'm trying to say. How terrible it is for you to struggle for what God has promised you. How terrible it will be for you not to believe into what God says and you think you can get it in any other way. Let me make this simple illustration. You know the story of. Rehoboam and Jeroboam. How many of you know the story of Rehoboam and Jeroboam? Rehoboam was the son of Solomon. Is that okay? When Solomon died and then he went to the elders and said, what can I do? People were crying. The burden was too much. The taxation was too much and things like that. And then the young man advised him to chastise the people the more, increase the burden and things like that. And then the scripture said to your tent, O Israel. Remember that? But now there was a prophecy by Ahijah that God also gave to Jeroboam. And he said, God is going to give you ten tribes and he's giving two tribes unto who? To Rehoboam. So we have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom in Israel. Is that okay? Now watch this. What did Jeroboam do? Jeroboam, because he felt people would go to Jerusalem, fear gripped him even for that which God has given to him. The people will go to Jerusalem, he begin to erect altars everywhere and begin to ordain priests who were not qualified to be priests to minister in those altars. In other words, the whole of his kingdom fell into idolatry because he was anxious to retain what God has promised him. Do you understand what I'm talking about? He went into religion because he wanted to keep what God has promised you. But the truth of the matter is, if God promises you a thing, think about what the scripture says. The blessings of the Lord. What does it say? He adds no sorrow. So if God has given him ten tribes, he should have the faith it was God that gave it to him and will just rest his own case with God. But now, because he wanted to possess out of anxiety, he went into religion. And what happened? The whole of his state went to what? Idolatry. 
That is what I'm talking about. God said, Abraham, I'm going to give you the whole nation, the whole earth, everyone, you're going to possess it. Now, what should be the next thing Abraham should do? Maybe Abraham should be thinking of working on how to possess the earth. But Abraham simply said, okay, if you say you are going to give it to me, I believe. And God said, you are what? A righteous man. Okay. Look at verse 14. If those who get what God gives them only, get it by doing everything, they are all told to do and fulfill out all the right forms properly signed, that eliminates personal trust completely and turns the promise into an ironclad contract. You know something? You want to sign a contract, two persons will have to begin to dock their line. Is that okay? Sign here, I sign here. You do this, I do this. Is that okay? That's a contract. Anytime you enter a contract, the person you are entering a contract with, we have to sign this column, you have to sign your column. You fulfill your promise for the man that signed for you. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Good. Now, God is saying, the scripture is telling us here that if that is the, the model. And now, do you know what the Bible is pointing out? Because if you look at the Old Testament, God said, if you keep my Lord, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, I'll do what? I'll bless you. That's a contract. So the contract was, you sign your part, I do what? I'll sign my part. If you fill your part, I'll do what? I'll fulfill my part. But if you fail on your part, I won't do what I promise you. Now, but the contract that God entered with Abraham was simply, look, this is what I want to do. Abraham said, I have not, no, nothing to sign. I believe what he said. And he got it. Grace makes things easy and simple. Law and religion makes things what? Difficult. Therefore, people make promises to you. They can fail because they are human beings. But God can make a promise and fail. Now, what is expected of you is if God makes a promise, what is the next thing for you to do? Simply believe what he said he was going to do. Hallelujah. Okay. The next thing it says, that's not a holy promise. That's a business deal. In other words, hey, I like this. If God is going to bless you only because of what you can do, then it's no longer a promise. It's a business transaction. Did you understand that? You see, and the most fortunate thing about business is that one party out of the two will always fail. Even if somebody gives you a contract now, and you execute the contract, you may fail to pay you. Have you noticed that? Somebody will always default in a, in a contract. And that is why I have always explained the new order, the new covenant that we are, God did not allow you to sign any contract at all. In fact, in the truth, if you, if you read your scripture very well, I think in the book of Genesis 15 or so, excuse me, when God was to enter a contract with Abraham, if you notice very closely, when he said, bring all the animals, divide them into two, and the fire came and passed through, there is something that scripture says, they deeply fell on Abraham. So until God consumed the whole sacrifice, which is glory, Abraham was not aware. That is how he signed the contract with Abraham. Because if Abraham were to be aware, he would want to bring in his own opinion. Why not we add this one? Because in any contract, you want to read between the lines and find out the one you want to do and the one you don't want to do. This contract, I think if we go this way, it will favor me. But God knows what will favor you. He doesn't want you to come and sign contract with him. So every contract he put in place for you, he doesn't want you to sign it, but he wants you to believe 
what he promised in that paper and he will bring it to pass. It's as simple as that. Hallelujah. Amen. Alright. Verse 15 says, A contract drawn up by hard-nosed lawyer and which plenty of fine point, fine print only makes sure that you will never be able to collect. But if there is no contract in the first place, simply a promise, and God's promise are that, you can't break it. Very simple. If there is no contract to sign, but simply a promise, then you can't break it. Is that okay? You can't break a promise because it's not you that made a promise. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm talking about? You can't break a promise. You can break a contract, but you can't break a promise because it is not you that made the promise. God made the promise. You believe into the promise because you have no part to sign in that contract. Therefore, you can't break it. And as long as you can break the promise, then it means you are going to get everything in that contract. So the greatest problem with the Jewish religion, if I may use the word, is because it was a contract that they also signed. I've always explained that. When did they sign a contract? My signer. Exodus 18. Down to 19. When the laws were given. He said, everything you say, we will do. That is when they signed the contract. But after they have finished signing the contract, they couldn't do what they said they would do. And God on his part began to fail them too. Because though God doesn't fail, but because they fail, the contract terms have to apply. Because the contract same says, it is when you do what he says, that is where you get what you want. But here is a contract term given to us, not a contract term about what? A promise. And since we did not sign the contract, we can't fail. And since we can't fail, then we can get whatever thing the, the promise is, what is promising us. So if God makes a promise, all you need is to believe into what God says and you get what is in the promise. So Abraham did not enter any contract with God. He simply believed when God said, you are going to be heir of the whole nation. And Abraham said, well, I believe that. And God said, it's yours because he believed. So anything he says to you and you say you believe and he says what? It is yours. There is nothing you are going to do to bribe God to do anything that he didn't promise you. Neither will you do anything to help him do what he promised you. Practically impossible. So you see, you need to serve God with ease. Just be relaxed. Amen. Unless he didn't promise anything, but if he promised you, be relaxed. Look at verse 16. This is why the fulfillment of God's promise depends entirely on trusting God and his way. And then simply embracing him and what he does. God's promise arrives as pure gifts. Amen. That is the only way everyone can be sure to get in on it. Those who keep the religious traditions and those who have never heard of them for Abraham is father of all all. He is not a richer father. That is reading the story backward. He is our faith father. That's what he's saying. Both the Jews and the Gentiles, the only way they can get anything God will ever promise is strictly what? Believe. In other words, if you think God is richer by implication, yeah, you have to get what he promised by fulfilling certain laws 
you are automatically saying God is a racial being. In other words, you're going back to what Israel practiced, and that is what you must practice to be able to please God. Are you getting the point? And he said that is reading the story backward. In other words, taking you back to legalism, to tradition, to the things that can never benefit you. Unfortunately, too, for those who want to go this way, they can never please God because every day of your life you break one of the rules. Every day of your life you break one of the rules. So you can never get to the top to get the prize. You never can win a prize from God keeping laws and keeping traditions. Practically impossible. Amen? All you need to believe is faith. And as you trust in God by grace, things will begin to work in your life. Things will begin to happen in your life. Things you least expected just becoming your way. Things you didn't even dream about. They will be coming because all of them are embedded in the promise of God. And there is one basic promise. Don't forget. The promise of God comes as a gift. Which is the greatest gift God has ever given to man? God. Christ. Is that okay? God so loved the world that he gave. So he gave a gift. And everything you ever need in life is within that gift. Do you understand that? Okay, now, medically, I know that there are some medicines that if you take them, they can do more than one or two jobs in your life. Am I right? Okay. And some of these things, they package in a capsule form. Is that correct? Now, you don't need to take medicine, for instance, for, it's possible, you don't need to take the one for waist pain, for headache, for this, for that, for that. All could be in one capsule. Am I right? Now, if somebody gives you that one capsule, what he's saying is, if you take this one capsule, your headache will be cured, your waist pain will be cured. Are you getting what I'm talking about? It's one gift, but different ministration coming from that one capsule. That is Jesus Christ. God simply said, receive my gift, and everything you will ever have need of will flow out of that one gift. Just receive that gift. That's what he's saying. Amen? Okay. Oh, so where am I? Verse 17. We call Abraham father not because he God's God's attention by living like a saint. Oh. <laughs> Glory to God. I read that again. We call Abraham father not because he got God's attention by living like a saint. But because God made something out of Abraham when he was nobody. So interesting. Amen? And he says, isn't that what we've always read in the scriptures? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as a father of many people. Abraham was first named father. And then because a father, became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Raise the dead to life. With a word made something out of nothing. The verse 18 says. When everything was hopeless. Abraham believed anyway. Deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw. He couldn't do but. On what God said he would do. And so he was made father of a multitude of people. God himself said to him. You are going to have a big family Abraham. That's all. Now. 
You see, okay, here was Abraham. If you read from the King James, the Bible says his body was dead by reason of age. Okay? Now, Abraham looked at the situation. If I consider my body that is dead, then I can get what God is saying. If I consider the age of my wife, then I can get the promise of God. But God have already promised. Okay? Let me rely on God who did what? Who made a promise. That is just all. Because think about what would have happened if you were to be Abraham or if Abraham were to be alive today in our circumstance. Abraham would be moving from one pillar to post, one church to another, one prophet to the other. Am I right? Seeking solution. What is the solution? I'm past age. I don't have a child. But God said, I'm going to give you a child. And Abraham have to rest. I do nothing and let me believe in what God says. And because God said that, he made his promise to come to pass. Can I hear any to that? Friends, listen, all we really need to do to get things from God is to trust Him. Especially if we can hear a word from Him. That's why I've always emphasized the need for you to do what? To hear God. Because there is a general promise, but there's a specific promise that God has for you. Every one of us has a specific promise, but there is a general promise God has for everybody. I mean, you can talk about the whole church. For instance, the Bible says, for Zion's sake, I will not rest. It's not talking about one man, talking about the whole church. Am I right? That's a promise for the whole church. But there's a promise for you individually. And that is why you need to see God to know what he promises you. When you were coming to life, there was a package he has for you. Praise the living God. You just need to seek that. You just need to believe that. And that's all. You just go and sleep, brother. Just go rest. You have no problem. One bit, trust is the greatest thing that God wants from you. Hallelujah. Look at verse 19. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, it's hopeless. This hundred year old body could never father a child. Abraham didn't say that. Nor did he survey Sarah's deadness of infertility and give up. He didn't go for examination. No, I'm not saying don't do medical tests. But for Abraham, he won't be able to do that because God made a promise. Amen? Hallelujah. Verse 20. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously, skeptically questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God. Sure. That God will make good all what he has said. Verse 22. That is why it is said. Abraham was declared fit before God. By trusting God to set him right or righteous. Did you understand that? Have you ever received a word from the Lord? Have you ever really had a word from the Lord? And you begin to wonder whether that word will come to pass. Or now there is something you must do to make the world come to pass. Then you don't have the faith of Abraham. What God really, really wants from you is simply trust him. If God said it, he will bring it to pass. Am I right? Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Okay, verse 22. Again. Okay, let me word 23. But it's not just Abraham. It's also us. The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe the one who brought Jesus to life. When the conditions were equally hopeless. 
Amen. Verse 25 says, the, sac- the sacrifice Jesus made us fit for God. Set us right with God. Please, I want you to understand. The sacrifice of Jesus make us fit and set us right. With who? With God. In other words, there is nothing you really can do to become justified before God or to become righteous before God. All you need to believe, he died for me. I receive him. He's my Lord and Savior. Simple. Walk through life with confidence. Walk through life with trust. Walk through life with peace. Just because you believe one sacrifice that the Lord has provided. Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Don't forget what we shared a few a few Sundays ago. It is finished. Is that okay? The Bible says, after he has offered all this sacrifice once, what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of God. While the old priest continued to stand ministering daily, he finished his own and sat down. You need to enter into the rest of what he has done. You should pray from the point of rest, the position of rest, not the position of struggle. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay. Alright. Um, let me look at something now. So what am I trying to say here? God was graciously pleased to place his faith, that is the faith of Abraham, into an account. In other words, it was imputed. When you impute something, you credit. Is that okay? It's like you have an account that somebody pays some money into your account. You didn't have to labor to get the money. All you need to do is withdraw. Oh my, come on. Have you ever noticed something like that? Your alert just come on your phone and you didn't know the person, but you realize that you have some good money paid into your account. You didn't work for it. Hallelujah. I remember I was speaking to Maxwell when uh, I think that was when we were supposed to have uh, the minister's conference. Something like that. And in the morning, like this, my phone just rang, and what I got was 30,000. Hey, Amen. I don't know the person. I've, I've been trying to see how I can get who the person is up to date. I don't even know who the person is. And because we have need in the church, we needed to take care of this poor, buy food, buy a drink. The money came. I didn't have to labor for it. Not that I was that crying of an eye, God, how is it going to happen? Hallelujah. Amen. That is just it. So, God fulfilled his promises. Now, Abraham simply placed faith. It was a, you see, he just believed and God said, you are such a righteous man and because you are righteous, you are going to have my divine favor, you are going to have my protection, you are going to have everything I promise you come to pass. You don't struggle for it. One thing is this. If you don't have faith in what God says, automatically you are trying to say God does not have what it takes to fulfill his promise. Let me give you an example. I said that sometime here. If somebody walked to you and said, Hey, what's your problem? And he said, oh, I just need that. I need that. It's okay. Uh, I'm going to give you two million. Huh? And now you know the person that this guy does not even have a thousand naira in his account. And he's telling you, he want to give you two million. 
You say, ah, yeah. You're trying to mock me, isn't it? Hallelujah. Now, why did you say that? Because you know the person doesn't have it. So, faith is based on knowing who is making the promise. Are you getting that? Okay. Now, if the president of the country comes to you and just passing by, looked at you, and you say, hey, come, come, come. I look at, what's the problem? And you say, okay, um, I'm going to give you a scholarship, maybe a young guy. I'm going to give you a scholarship from primary to university, whatever level, and I'm going to build you a house. What will be next thing you are going to do? You just keep jumping, going from one church to the other, giving testimony, how the president, I promise you. Why did you want to believe that? Because you know he's the president of the country. He has all the money. That is what faith is. So when you don't trust God, you are simply saying God cannot. You are simply saying he doesn't have what he says he can do. But get this right. Scripture says, the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to who? Belongs to God. He possesses all things. He owns all things. So if he makes a promise, he is going to bring it to pass. All you need to do is to trust him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, all this thing we're talking about is simply on one thing, based on one thing. If you can't really do anything to get what God wants to do, simply means you are living by grace. Simple. Do you understand what I'm saying here? It's all grace. That's what he's saying. We're just simply defining nothing but grace. Listen, Abraham by virtue of bed have no right or qualification to anything as far as the standard of God is concerned except for what pleases the Father and that is what? Faith. He doesn't have anything. He doesn't have anything. Now if you, see, there was nothing Abraham had that he can do to please God. Think of where he was coming from. He was an idol worshiper in the first place. He came from a family that was sown deep into what? Idolatry. I've told you here before, Abraham's father was worshiping one God every month. So he had 12 gods, 12 idols. They were serving in their family every year, 12 gods. One month each, one idol that they were worshiping. Abraham was involved in it. Go and read the book of Joshua. You see what I'm talking about. Abraham was involved in it. But when God called him, what happened? We had an encounter yesterday with somebody that God picked up. Somebody that was involved in shrine worship. Another that was to die. One of the Habalists prophesied to this high priest of shrine that he was going to die three days. And then somebody said, hey, listen, let me call my pastor to pray with you. Even if you are going to die. It's okay, let him come. This was uh, Igbe. You know what I'm talking about Igbe? It was the priest, high priest of Igbe. Ready to die. Another person has made oracle and said three days more. He was gone. And the pastor said, can I call my pastor to pray with you? He said, okay, call him. He said, but first thing, let him come and then you have to burn off this. He said, okay, I agree. Let him come and burn them. The man came and while he was about burning them, like he saw a man just came from, as if he was seeing somebody coming from the sky, completely white, just entered into him and he stood up. Right there, he stood up and everybody was amazed. Sickness, everything disappeared. Completely healed. Christ entered into him in a way that he least expected. And he was saying, that was the third time he was seeing that figure. That was the third year he saw that figure. But what am I trying to tell you? 
after the man has seen this, religious people said he should go for deliverance. Now the man was looking for who to deliver him. Then they, and I said, okay, I, I think I can help you. I want to deliver Christ out of you. And get you back to your shrine. Because that is who you are right now. He gave himself to you. What are you going to be delivered from? He's moving all over the place looking for a house where he can be delivered. And people are actually pointing where to go. And I've showed him some places to go where they have to buy salt, buy this, buy that. It's terrible. Were you there when Christ entered into him? Now it is not you who want to conduct deliverance. What do you want to deliver him from now? And like I asked him the question. You are a minister. Of course, he already is a minister. For seven years, he's ministry. But it is still now they want to deliver him. And I asked him the question. Do you read your Bible very well? He said, yes. You know about Abraham? He said, yes. You know the father? He said, yes. Who was he? He said, an idol. When God called Abraham, who delivered him? Just answer me. When God called Abraham, who delivered him? When God, can you imagine God making promises to an idol worshiper? You shall become father of many nations. What did Abraham do? Who delivered Abraham? What is wrong with us? Now we have all that is called work of faith. You buy salt, you buy pepper, you bring machete, you bring knife, you bring broom, you bring stick. Work of faith. Yesterday we were amazed when they came here telling us what is going on in town. And they call it work of faith. Article of faith, work of faith. This minister, for you to see them, consultation fees is 200. One guy who was to be delivered has to be 250 if he wants his church to grow after deliverance. That is what man loves. That is what religion can give to men. And so they forsake what God has provided. God will help us. Until you show me where Abraham was delivered, I don't believe in the things you are doing. Because he's a father of faith and the father of all nations is our father is our pattern when they will deliver you they ask you to eat eat charcoal the things you are delivered from you eat them again <sighs> hallelujah Abraham's strong faith in the promise of the coming Messiah. Listen, what Abraham did was to trust in Jesus Christ. Is that okay? You see, what, there's something you need to understand. The promise to Abraham was not just Isaac. It was actually Jesus. Is that okay? And, and Abraham trusted that Savior is going to come out of my life. It was not just Isaac. Isaac was only a type. Amen? And this was necessary for him to get everything that he needed to get from who? From God. 
Simply believing. Simply trusting. And God said, you are justified. Do you know what it means to be justified? It's like, you see, you have a case in the court. And now, here is a lawyer speaking against you. The accusers or whatever the case may be, they begin to read all the laws and whatever the case may be. And somebody has stood on the other side and begins to say, no, all this thing they are saying is not true about this man. This is my record about him. And the chief judge just looks and says, look, you are discharged and what? Acquitted. No evidence against you. That as far as I'm concerned, you have no evidence to nail you so you are discharged and acquitted. In the presence of your accuser, you'll be walking away when the judge says you are free. They don't have to die before you walk out of the court. Your lawyer doesn't have to die for you to walk out of the court. Therefore, your enemies are not meant to die before you are glorified. The pronouncement of the fact that you are disturbed and acquitted has to still be in the presence of even the lawyer that spoke against you. That's why he say in the presence of your enemy, he shall prepare you what? A table. Not when they are dead. <laughs> Hallelujah. Justified, discharged and acquitted. Meaning, there is no sin that your great-grandfather committed that can be tied to you. In the first place, if you think your father committed sin by serving idol, do you know the one that your great-grandfather served? Now, who do you think is truly your great-grandfather? It's not the third and the fourth great-grandfather. It is truly Adam. Because you have to trace your genealogy back to who? To Adam. And if God justifies you from the works of Adam, then the one that your biological father is amounting to nothing before him. Nothing. Listen, what Adam did brought death, but what your father did brought a cause. Which one is greater? You say you are not succeeding, but the one your Adam committed kills you. Which one is greater? Which one are you afraid of now to be delivered from? That you are under a cause? Even when, when, when Jacob calls Reuben, the cause was revoked when he meant a man of God in Moses. Why are you worried about some causes between you when there is provision for justification from every cause under heaven and earth? Grace. Receive the grace of God. Just know that you are free. He paid the price. Hallelujah. We may read one more scripture. We just got about 10 minutes more. We're still going to be dealing with this next week. But let's look at Galatians 5. And I think I like this one as well. Galatians 5. Praise the Lord. Hmm. I'm going to read very fast from verse number 3. But I'm going to read from verse 1 from the Living Bible. But let me first take it from King James, verse number 3. Galatians 5. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are falling from grace. Mm. So you know what it means to fall from grace? It's not to be in church. Huh? Have you have you heard people say that? 
Maybe because someone is uh, falling from grace. Falling from grace. It's a callous statement we make. Falling from grace because it's not going to church. One Babylon system. It's not going there. Falling from grace. No. To fall from grace means you've left your faith and you're not doing things. Even in the church. Even in the church. You are doing things to please God. You are falling from grace. Not when you're not coming to church. No. When you stop believing in what God has provided. Now you want to please God by the things you must do. You're falling from grace. Is it simple? For we through the spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by what? By faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor circumcision but faith which worketh by what? By love. Okay. Let me just go very quickly to the living Bible I think. In a simpler way so that you can understand. Let me just read from verse number one, Galatians 5. Maybe you take your time to read the way you get home. So Christ has made us free. Can I hear an amen to that? Made us free. It's not going to make us free. He made us free. He doesn't want to. We are free. That's what he said. Now, make sure that you stay free. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Did you get that? Make sure that you stay free. It means you can be made free and still get yourself in bondage again. Religiously. Make sure you remain free. And don't get all tied up again in the chains of slavery to Jewish laws and ceremonies. Listen to me. For this is serious. If you are counting on circumcision and keeping the Jewish laws to make you right with God, then Christ cannot save you. I'm reading the Bible, living Bible. Is that okay? Now, it means if there are some things you must do to deliver yourself, automatically you're saying, Christ cannot do what? Deliver you. He can save you. Are you getting that? If you go by the ceremony to please God, you are simply saying Christ cannot save you. Now, if you are also in the church and you feel there are certain things that must be recommended for you to do, for you to be saved, for you to be delivered, then Christ can save you. Meaning you are going to trust in what you are doing to get yourself saved. And that is where we are today. So you tell you, 80% of what we are experiencing today, they are falling from grace. Huh? We just mentioned that now. No, I, I was told somebody said the church is not doing well, and the person said you should go and buy a bag of salt hmm? and put something together, and they will dig it on the altar, and the church will begin to grow because salt is uncountable. Can you see what is going on? Huh? People are looking for miracles, and you are going to get one too. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the world is still sure. I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. I was speaking to a pastor. He said, Pastor, how do you grow? I said, there's nothing we do. We simply believe the world and we pray. Because that was the apostolic doctrine. They give themselves to the word and prayer and then we don't serve table and the deacons were sacking table and what's the next thing? The Bible tells us God are there to the church. 
You don't need to go buy a bag of salt and bag of onions and, and beans because it's uncountable. You need to pack some sand too. Hallelujah. Falling from grace. I will say it again. Verse 3. Anyone trying to find favor with God, but being circumcised, must always obey every other Jewish law or perish. Verse 4. Christ is useless to you if you are counting on clearing your debt to God by keeping those laws. You are lost from God's grace. You are lost. You are not only falling. I think living Bible is better. <laughs> they say you can fall, you can still find you, but where you are lost, you are lost. And and the Lord declared that all that the Lord has given to me, I've lost nothing. But now you deliberately get yourself lost. Hallelujah. Verse five. But we, by the help of the Holy Spirit, are counting on God's death to clear away our sins. Hallelujah. And make us strive with God. That's righteousness. And we to whom Christ has given eternal life don't need to worry about whether we have been circumcised or not or whether we are obeying the Jewish ceremonies or not. For all we need is faith working through love. Verse 7. You are getting along so well. Who has interfered with you to hold you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God. Who has done it? For he's the one who has called you to freedom in Christ. Verse 9. But it takes only one wrong person among you to infect all others. That is why I want to say today, you must mind the people you listen to. You must mind the kind of preachers. I'm sorry, I'm one of them too. But you must mind the kind of preachers you listen to. See what Paul is saying here? He said, you were getting along so well. In grace, in faith. All of a sudden, you are into something else. Are you getting this? Say, God, I haven't done this. Somebody must have infected you. It's like seeing a little living, living in the world, the whole world. Somebody has brought some wrong doctrines, some stupid things, and you start believing that and no longer trusting Christ. I would like to stop in verse number 10. I'm trusting the Lord to bring you back to believing as I do. About these things. God will deal with that person. Whoever he is. Who has been troubling and confusing your head. I added that one. (laughs) God will deal with that person. Whoever that person is. Who has been troubling and confusing you. Not to stay on track. God will deal with that person. Hallelujah. People of God, we live by faith, we live by grace. God pay the price. Your sins are forgiven. Your past is gone. I've only said it, there is no record against you anywhere in the world. No record. And if you don't forget what we shared on, on Sunday, Barabbas was a criminal. How many of you remember that message? And people were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And Barabbas was coming out to be crucified. And Pilate said, go. So what happened? Say, Jesus is to be crucified in your place. 
you can't do anything more than that. Barabbas have nothing to do other than simply believing that Jesus was going to die where? In his place. He walked on completely free. Pilate did not call him back. You are free. Hallelujah. God bless you.